The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. So cults, uh, recruiters, and cult leaders always know that when there's a major disruption, if there's an economic problem, if there's a terrorist attack, if there's an earthquake or tsunami, they're going to capitalize on that because they use fear as a primary manipulation tool to make people feel like it's not safe out there. He says some groups are already doing that with the coronavirus outbreak. And this is especially powerful for people and groups that preach about doomsday, that the world is coming to an end. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, you hear a lot about these doomsday prophecies and cults, especially when things get bad. And you know what? <laughs> a pandemic certainly uh, is fodder for this type of conversation, right? We've got a worldwide pandemic, and it doesn't seem to want to end. You know, when it first reared its ugly head, and you got to think back. I mean, this was new. We didn't look. We haven't seen a pandemic of this magnitude since 1918 during that great Spanish flu, and we saw how many millions of lives were taken. What was the coronavirus? You know, what was COVID 19? How how deadly would it be? I remember our uh, our frontline workers were applauded. People were banging pots and pans in praise of them, willing to to go to work to help the the, the sick. Um, and we learned a lot more. We, we thought the pandemic would be over after Operation Warp Speed and the president, President Trump came out with a, uh, a vaccine. Uh, the next president, President Joe Biden, promised to end the dark, cold winter of COVID. He was going to beat the virus. And here we are two years later uh, with, you know, all these different variants, you know, COVID-19 and there's beta and delta and Omicron and who knows what looms in the future, right? we've got a couple major superpowers right now making loud noises about war. And I don't know about you, it disturbs my spirit. And I've been praying for peace, especially over in Russia. I think some of our adversaries see this current administration as a weak one, and um, they might be trying to exploit that as Vladimir Putin amassing troops on the border of Ukraine. As I mentioned, North Korea fired a missile again today. China with its hypersonic weapons and building up its own military. And we can go through the problems with Iran and a lot of other places. And, of course, as we talked about earlier today, inflation. You've got, you know, a real concern about what the future economic outlook is is for you and for those that you love. You've got government surveilling their people to an unprecedented degree. You've got people changing the definition in our country. And this is some of the greatest tragedy of the past decade. The redefining marriage, redefining what life is and when it begins. And today, the byproduct of that dysfunction, we see this ideological indoctrination of our kids, right? The, 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 the confusion when it comes to physical aspects of our body. Man is no longer a man. A woman is no longer a, a woman. You are what you believe you are. As a six foot three Italian man, I can say I'm a five foot four Chinese woman, and you know that's that's now the that's now my new reality. But it's not reality. That's what's so dysfunctional about all this. You know, it's almost like we're living in some sort of dystopia here, right? Uh, we've got persecution. We've talked about this of Christians all over the planet, and look, it's not mitigating; it's getting worse. And look, I, I can go on and on. I'm sure there's a lot of other things I can. I can list for you, but you know, when some people look at what's going on, especially in our country, there are 
quite a few who are asking questions. Are, are we in end times? You know, has there been a time like this before? I, I think the, the most terrifying aspect of what's happening in the culture today, for me personally, and this is just my own personal take, I'm sure there's a lot of other issues that people have concerns about, but I, I've talked about this multiple times today because I was just so shocked when I saw the stat that abortion is the leading cause of death worldwide now for the third year in a row. 43 million abortions performed last year. Abortion comes in at about 42% of all the deaths in 2021. That's in the middle of a pandemic, right? We know suicide rates have skyrocketed. I mean, look, the litany goes on. I don't want to belabor the point too much, but uh, that, that to me is one of the most troubling of all the things. I think that calls down God's justice, to be honest with you. I really do. How much darker, how much more macabre, how much more evil can we make mainstream? How much more evil can we, how much, how can we make what is right, what, what, what is, how can we make what's wrong right? I mean, that, that's fundamentally what the culture wants to do. But how do we justify that? How, how do you do that? You know, uh, but just to give you some context here, um, you know, a lot of people throughout the last 20 centuries, you know, since Christ hung on a cross and rose from the dead, they have thought we were in the end times. They, I remember around the first uh, millennia, there were quite a few Catholics who thought that they could discern that the Lord was going to be coming back in their lifetimes. And then think about what happened then. The, you know, the Black Death brought about a lot of end time thinking, and, and, and rightly so. Look at the scourge and how many lives that took throughout Europe. I mean, th just think of how horrific living through the Black Death must have been. And then since that time, you know, the, the Protestant revolt, there have been numerous religious leaders who've made the claims, even put dates on when it would happen. Uh, if, if you're older than, I don't know, say 30, you'll probably remember what happened around the year 2000 with all kinds of people making claims. Do you remember the Mayan text? I mean, this was a big story. I forget what year it was. Um, they supposedly decoded these this ancient Mayan text and, and experts were making the claims based on this Mayan text document or calendar or whatever it was, um, you know, that, that the end time, the, 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 the Mayans had predicted this would be the end of time. Of course, it was not accurate. Uh, 2000, we had Y2K, remember that, the computer bug? Uh, with the advent of COVID, uh, there's been this whole resurgence right now of end time thinking, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's understandable. I understand where people come when, when you're uncertain about the future, you'll wonder, What's going to happen? But, sh you know, we, we have to avoid this end time trap. And I thought we could talk about that today. I'd love your take, too. If you want to join us, you can dial in anytime. It's 888-914-9149. I've invited Carl Olson. He's the editor of Catholic World Report and also the author of a number of books. He, he wrote one called To Be the Children of God, The Catholic Theology of Human Deification. Will Catholics Be Left Behind as His Other? And Did, you, did Jesus Really Rise from the Dead? You can check out all of his books. Uh, online. It's always good to have him here with us today. Carl, thanks for your time. Good afternoon. Hey, Drew. Always good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, interesting times we live in, of course. I mean, and, and we can lay out a very dark scenario. I don't want to bum people out. I always have hope, you know, but I do think about what St. Faustina wrote. I mean, the Lord appeared to her and he said to her, look, I've chosen you to be the secretary of my mercy. And he says, I've chosen you to prepare the world for my return. And, and we don't know when that is. It could be tomorrow. It could be 2,000 years from now. But you know, in church-approved apparitions like Kibeho Rwanda and others, we hear uh, similar messages. Um, let's talk about what the Lord actually said about the end of the world. 
Um, what did he reveal? Uh, you know, and, and and give me your assessment of of what you see unfolding right now, and 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 how we should interpret all that's now unfolding. Well, I begin with actually this great quote from Saint Bernard of Claveau, who wrote many centuries ago that there are in fact three distinct comings of the Lord. And that's kind of surprising to us, but he then goes on to say that these three comings of Christ are his coming to people, his coming into people, and his coming against people. And I think these are really wise words to contemplate from St. Bernard of Clairvaux, because what he puts his finger on here is that Christ has already come, obviously. He, through the incarnation, he entered a time and space, he lived among us, he suffered, died, and rose again. But then in these last times, and we've been living in the last times since the time of the Incarnation. Uh, the right. book of Hebrews says this at the very beginning. We're living in the last times. Uh, St. Peter in his great Pentecost homily talks about the fact that we are in the last days. And what he means by that is these are the time, this is the time of the church. The kingdom is growing in mystery. And it will culminate, of course, at some point when there will be, of course, the final coming, the parousia of, of Christ. But there's also a very real sense in which every single one of us, whether we're living in the 3rd century, the 12th century, or today, live in the last times. And I think, Drew, when you're going through kind of that list of all these different things that many of us have lived through, yeah. I, I, it brings to mind the fact that one thing that actually we all really struggle to live with is normality and just kind of the banal existence of day-to-day, -day, right? Um, and I think that what's been going on last couple of years has distracted a lot of people from from uh, the fact, or has reminded them, I mean, I think there's odd paradox here where it's done both of these things. It's distracted them from and also reminded them of their mortality. And Drew, I think one of the issues here is that we as a country, as a nation, I, I'm really convinced that we do not know how to deal with death. We refuse overall as people to acknowledge that we're going to die, that we're mortal, that we're going to make our maker. We want to really believe that this temporal realm is all that there is. And so we're made for heavenly beatitude. We're made to be with God, but we want to kind of fight against that. And so we end up being full of anxiety and conflict and tension. Uh, and I think it's at the heart of many of these, the reason why many people join kind of end-time belief systems or follow really bizarre conspiracy theories or whatever. They want to find an answer that is actually separate from the only one who can really truly give us the answer, the one who's the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, so well said. Could not agree with you more. My guest today, Carl Olson. If you want to join the conversation, feel free to dial in. Our number, 888 Hey, uh, Carl, Samuel wants to join the conversation. He's got a comment for you. Hi, Sam. Hi. Um, first of all, thank you for everything you do in your ministry. Thank you. Um, thank you. One thing I wanted to uh, say is I, as far as just like whether or not we are in the end times right now, I think that the answer would be yes. Um, and the reason I guess I would say that is I feel like we've been in the end times ever since Christ uh, ascended back into heaven. Yeah. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a scriptural perspective. And I think it's important to note here, too, that the church in the catechism has a really great a great section I recommend to everybody who's interested in this topic. It begins at paragraph 668 of the catechism. It talks about what the church does teach about the end times and the last days. And I want to emphasize, Drew, that the church does recognize and teach 
Yeah. Again, there will be a second coming. We say it every day, you know, every every Sunday in the Creed, every time we go to, to Mass. And that will happen. There will be an end. There will be a judgment. Um, it could be hundreds, thousands of years from now. I think the thing that the Church wants to really impress upon us over the centuries, when you look at the, the, the teaching of the Church and the saints and so forth, is that we need to be prepared for our end. I mean, if there's one guarantee here... Yeah. It's that you and I and everybody who's listening will finally come to that day where we, we meet our end. So true. And we meet our maker, and we'll have to give an account for ourselves and so forth. I think that people find ways to get away from that. I know that I do. I mean, I want to be distracted. I want to be able to do things that, that keep me from pondering my mortality. Um, that's a very easy temptation, right? So I think we do need to be aware of what's going on. Uh, there's, there's constantly difficulties in the world we've been facing all sorts of different challenges on an individual basis, as a nation, as a world. But I think we have to really keep in mind that Christ came to save us from sin and to bring us into everlasting life, that this is not it for us. And so becoming obsessed with end times beliefs can become a very dangerous temptation, as you touched on. It can really distract us from the one who is the author and Lord of all things, the Lord of history. And for me personally, I take great comfort, uh, I try to take great comfort, um, it's a struggle, in the fact that Christ is indeed the Alpha and the Omega, the, the Lord and King of all things, right? Um, and I think that's something that we need to really set our feet on and, and stand firm in, um, because that's really where it's, it's going to end up for us, is, is, that, is having that faith in Jesus Christ, who is uh, Lord of Lords. Yeah, no, I could not agree more. And we were created to live forever. That's the bottom line. I, you know, we don't know how many seconds we've been given to live. I, I look at um, the news, and I'm always, I always marvel at people that have just been called home. Last night in the news, Bob Saget, um, he died. Yeah. And right. um, 65 years of age, he was doing a comedy tour and died in his hotel room. I mean, he didn't realize that that would be, you know, uh, his end time. Uh, so we have to be prepared. The truth is, as you point out, and I think very eloquently, that we all have, um, you know, an end time. Um, you know, our life, our life journey, at least here in this temporal realm, will come come to an end, and we need to be ready. You know, Scripture is pretty clear. Two Peter, I think it's three nine. Lord says, "Don't delay." You know, in in this regard, right. be you know, be patient. You know, not wishing that anyone shall perish, but you know, repent, you know, amend your life, return to God. Luke twenty one, the Lord warns us against you know becoming fascinated with apocalyptic events because uh, I think they can be distracting. You know, but He also warns us against turning our attention away from Him, and and that's it because Scripture is clear there too. It says you know He's going to come like a thief in the night, uh, unseen by the homeowner, focused on his own comfort and gain. So be ready. Be ready. So yeah, I live every day as if though it's my last. And John Paul II, when he stepped onto the Logia, when he was first elected, and one of the great themes of his papacy was to not be afraid. Yeah, we live in troubling times. Yes, you know, the, the, the evil's rising like never before. But I think grace abounds even more. And, and I stand on John Paul's words to, to be not afraid, you know. So that's, that's what I take ultimate comfort in as well, Carl. But, um, you know, it's, it's easy to, to despair. And I think it's just human nature, too, that a lot of people go ahead and, and do this. The Lord did give signs, though, didn't he? He did say there were going to be signs pointing to his return outside of our own hour, which could be today. It could be, you know, 30 years from now. Uh, there's going to be a generation in which Christ will return, right? So what did he say the signs pointing to his return will be, and how do you discern those? Well, it's, 
the catechism, again, going back to these, these paragraphs beginning with uh, 664 or 668 of the catechism, talk, it, it goes back to Scripture, of course, and it points out there's going to be a number of things that happen. Uh, one of those is going to be an ultimate trial that the Church is going to have to go through. There's going to be great persecution. There will be apostasy. There will be an Antichrist. The, the catechism talks very clearly about this. It also talks about the fact that there will be a return of Israel to the Messiah. And, of course, there's a lot of questions about what that involves, how that looks, and there's been a lot of theological um, ideas put forth about how that might might come about, and that's that's kind of a difficult one to, to, to get a grasp on. But these are things that the Church um, points to. I think what the, the Catholic Church really emphasizes, though, is that Christ already reigns. And I think that's really hard, really hard sometimes to see. It's sometimes hard to see even, even within the church, right? We see all the problems within church. We see all the struggles, all the difficulties. Um, and so it's a very, it's a very, very tough one. Um, you know, John Paul II, you mentioned John Paul II in his last encyclical on the church and the Eucharist. He has this really fascinating phrase. He talks about the eschatological tension mm -hmm. that is kindled by the Eucharist. And by eschatological, eschatological tension, he means we live between the first coming and the final coming of Christ, and we we long to be with Him. We're made, as you just said, we're made to be with God eternally. Yeah, yeah. We're made to be filled with God's divine life, which are granted through baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. So in the Eucharist, we actually really do uh, truly take within ourselves the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, and we do touch the kingdom. We actually have access to the kingdom, because we are the possession of the king who, in turn, uh, gives us the, the, the power to grow in what we might call the you know, kingdom life, the life of the Holy Spirit. And so I really do believe that a big part of, a big solace can be found by spending time with the Eucharist, by really, when we go to Mass, to really consider more deeply what is happening, that we're actually taking part of the most profound mystery that we can here on earth, right? That this is a mystery that transcends wars and and pandemics and all these different things, and I think that is where our solace has to be, as difficult uh, and as challenging as it can be day to day for for every one of us. Yeah, so well said. My guest today, Carl Olson. I'll tell you what, I only have him for a few minutes today. If you want to join the conversation, I'll open the phones. You can get in now. I'll give you the number. It's triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Feel free to to give us a call and we'll take your questions, your comments and your insights, taking a look at uh, avoiding the end times trap, but at the same time, how to discern the signs uh, that uh, now loom around us. Uh, again, great to have him here with us and uh, you can join us, 888-914-9149. Be right back. This hour is sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Now. On Relevant Radio. Right now. On Relevant Radio. Hey, it's great to be with you. It's the end of the time. 
the end of times as we know it. Great buffer, Patrick. Appreciate that. We're taking a look if you're joining us today. All that's unfolding around us, discerning what the, you know, how do we interpret these signs and what does the church teach? And making sure we don't get caught into these, um, oh, I don't know, these end time traps. A lot of people often can find themselves uh, tied up and, and, and lost in this. You know, doomsday cults, quite often, you know, when, when the millennia changes or when events happen like pandemics, um, you'll see these doomsday cults rise. I don't know how many of you remember Jim Jones and, and Jonestown of, uh, or Heaven's Gate. Remember that, that cult? They committed mass suicide when Hellbop's Comet uh, appeared. Um, so the, so often these rise and they fall. Um, and that kind of madness is not limited just to the U.S. In Russia, there was a, a cult that appeared and it made up of, I think it was Russian Orthodox believers who hold themselves up in a cave and they made themselves and were waiting for the end of the world, which was expected to come. And of course, they were wrong. It never came. But it raises questions when you see this. And look, this has happened across the, the centuries, and it's going to continue to happen. What are we as Catholics to make of this? Hmm? What are we as Catholics to make of this? We, 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 you know, I don't often contemplate the return of the Lord in terms of the big picture. I, I think about my own personal walk with him. Um, so often, you know, you may not talk about when the Lord is going to come again. Uh, the, you know, in, in the Mass, there's there's a you know, last couple of weeks of the liturgical year, the first week of Advent. Of course, we we as a church look at this, but, um, you know, we also mention it every day, really, in the liturgy. It's, it's But it's just not something we have regular discussions about. But evangelical Protestants, on the other hand, they, they talk about this kind of thing a lot. They have debates, they have arguments, they have discussions and books and tapes and DVDs and videos and series that have been written you know, the Left Behind series was a big one. You know, Rapture, uh, that, that was a, that's, that's a, that's a big theological, um, you know, talking point. Uh, there's been a lot discussed in the mainstream media. Uh, so sometimes Catholics are left scratching their head. What are we to make of these things? When is Christ coming back? Is he coming back? What's the Rapture? You know, what does the church teach? I've invited Carl Olson to join me today, and it's uh, great to have him. He's a very gifted author. And of course, he hails from a wonderful, uh, wonderful organization. You can check him out at Catholic World Report. He's the author of a number of books. And Carl, what's the best way to get a hold of you, by the way, if people want to read your books or, or get connected? Yeah, they can go to catholicworldreport.com to see the work we do there. And then I have a personal website, uh, carleolson.net, um, yeah. which is kind of half halfway formed. But uh, Ignatius dot uh, com Ignatius Press has you know my books and I've written a couple of books for the Catholic Truth Society uh, as well actually books on uh, Lent and Advent um, that have yeah. that are out there now so a couple different places let's talk about these doomsday cults for a moment because you know when we see these events unfold like a pandemic is a classic example of one you know, the signs in the sky the help out comets or other events. Um, quite often you see these doomsday cults um, rise up and, and inevitably there's a leader, Jim Jones or whoever it might be, who claims to have special communication with God and who knows the future. Speak about that for a moment because that's one of the great deceptions, I think, of, of, of these events. Yeah, there's oftentimes two closely related aspects which you just touched on. You have a leader who claims to have special knowledge and so the, the temptation the, the selling point is if you follow this particular leader, buy into what they're saying they're doing, which oftentimes, you know, leads to really horrific things. You mentioned, uh, you know, Jonestown and, and Heaven's Gate. 
Uh, those are great examples where people ended up you know, committing suicide because of their allegiance to those particular leaders. Um, and so there's that danger and then the, the interrelated danger of thinking that we have somehow special knowledge. And, you know, I kind of have often said and, and written a number of things about the fact that, that the, the perennial heresy of Gnosticism, Gnosis being the Greek word for, for special knowledge that only a certain number of people are given. And that's very attractive if you think that you know what's going to happen. You know, Tim LaHaye, who was the the founder or the creator and co-author of the Left Behind books, you know, talked a lot about how the rapture was going to happen very, very soon. He never would give a date, um, and there's a whole story behind that. But, you know, Tim LaHaye claimed that he somehow had a special knowledge about what was going to happen. Well, Dr. LaHaye died a few years ago, you know, um, you know, my, this is my thing. <laughs> Again, we're going to meet our maker at, at some point, and I think that Tim LaHaye was peddling something that was distracting from that, a special knowledge. The fact is, very few of us are given special knowledge. We are called to be faithful, to listen to the voice of Christ, who speaks within and through, you know, the church, his mystical body. You know, Tim LaHaye, this is interesting, Drew, Tim LaHaye actually said in more than one place in different books, that the greatest event, the greatest event in human history is the rapture, the upcoming rapture event, where those who are truly saved will be taken secretly out of this world. Well, first of all, the rapture event is a, a fiction, as right. I've written about in my, my book. But also, to think about that, to, to claim that the greatest event in human history is the rapture, and my thing is, uh, what about the fact that God became man and dwelt among us? The incarnation and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, these are the greatest events. And so, in a really strange way, Tim LaHaye actually claiming to, to be a Christian, and I, you know, I believe he did believe in, in Christ, but mm -hmm. he actually distracted from the centrality of Jesus Christ in a strange way, and in a very dangerous way. And I think that's part of the temptation you see. And, of course, there are more extreme cults out there, again, where people end up losing their lives. So, Clinging to Christ, listening to the church, um, these these ordinary, quote-unquote ordinary things are actually powerful witnesses to the truths that God has given to us through Christ. Yeah, no doubt about it. So the doomsday cults, something, of course, to be um, cautioned about. Nobody knows the day or the hour, and I think we're all doomed, if you will, if we don't live the life of the gospel. You know, if you do it, then as John Paul II says, you have no reason to be afraid. I remember one time, Carl, hearing a story uh, about a saint. I, I don't remember the guy's name. You might know it. But, but the story goes something like this. He was, uh, he was playing pool with a couple of, of other guys, and they were in this conversation, and it turned to what they would do if they knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow. And one guy says, oh, if I knew Christ was coming tomorrow for sure, tomorrow's the last day, I'm going to go make up with my family. I've been divided with them. Another guy says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm definitely going to confession. And then he asked the saint, you know, what, what would you do? And he said, I just keep playing pool. You know, in other words, the guy knew, you know, the other guys knew that they should be living a different type of life, right? They should be amending their life, going to confession, you know, mending bridges. This guy knew you know, he was where he needed to be. He was living his life as if the Lord was coming back today. It's like the parable of that steward who was put in charge of the master's, you know, while the master was gone and, and, uh, you know, the steward does everything well, uh, then it doesn't matter when the steward comes home, everything's going to be ready. But if he starts going off and, and doing what he's not supposed to do and the master comes back and, and finds him, 
then he's going to be in trouble. So, I mean, it's the same thing with life. I mean, we don't know the day or the hour. Live life as if though Christ is going to going to come today. And I, I think you said it best a few moments ago when, um, you know, you talked about we're all restless. I think it was Augustine that said that, right? That, uh, you know, we all, um, you know, God made us for himself and our hearts restless until it rests in him. And we're not going to find it in the stars. We're not going to find it in the signs around us. We'll only find that true peace in in Jesus Christ. Let's do this. We'll grab a call or two. If you want to join us, uh, the number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Bradley in Clayton, New Jersey, has been waiting to talk to you for a while. Uh, let me see if I can sneak him on. I'm not sure how good his audio is. Bradley, good afternoon. Hey, Bradley, you with us? All right. That poor guy's been waiting forever, Carl. I was trying to get him for you. I'll go back to him in a in a quick second here for you. If you want to get into, I'll open the phones again, 888-914-9149. Um, in terms of you're just joining us too, just to give you a perspective, we are taking a look at uh, you know this end time trap, all that's unfolding around us, pandemics and plagues and Wars and rumors of war, the very thing that Matthew, I think, 24, 25 talks about. Um, there are a lot of church-approved apparitions, a lot of saints, Carl, who said you know, things about the Lord's return. And there are quite a few Catholics who spend a lot of time you know, going through those, and that can be a, a real problem, too. Um, I, what do you make of what we, you know, of, of some of these sites that predict, you know, and, and, and they, they can be vague. I want to be charitable because I think some are, are, are very legitimate. There's not a timeline on it, like... Faustina, for example, the Lord said, I've chosen you to prepare the world for my return. But again, I guess time is a construct and, and it's really relative, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think the real authenticity lies, first of all, in a, in a call to repentance. Um, I'm not saying that's the, the, the only criteria, but I think when you, that there needs to be a real call for repentance. You see this in things like Fatima and other uh, approved apparitions. I think, too, we need to be very careful with private revelations. Obviously, mm -hmm. uh, some have been approved by the Church, and that's, it's wonderful that we have that authority that we can rely on to, to help guide us. But I think when people, where I find dangerous when people are, are I've met people, Catholics like this, good people, wonderful people, who all they want to talk about is a certain apparition. Yeah. And uh, that kind of, it kind of bothers me, or, or even frightens me a little bit, because I think they've lost sight of what, True apparitions are there to point us toward Christ. You know, Mary always points us towards Christ. The saints, the mystics, the martyrs, they point us towards Christ. If we're being pointed away from Christ, if there's a private revelation that somehow is distracting us from Christ, then there's a problem there. And that can even happen with approved apparitions. We can become really caught up you know, almost obsessive over some of these things, and that's part of our human nature, right? Um, just like we can become obsessed with distractions, of being entertained, of having things constantly, a uh, constant busyness in our life. I think it's very similar. I think it comes from the same place. Um, at the end of the day, we ask ourselves, is this pointing me towards Christ? Is it bringing me more deeply into the life of Christ? Is it bringing me to a place of greater peace? Is it giving me to a place where I'm, I'm more charitable to my family, to my neighbor, to a stranger? These are questions, you know, fundamental questions we need to ask ourselves. And if the answer is no, then we have to really change course. And I think that's really, you know, really essential. Yeah, I agree. Let's go back. We'll try the phones again, see if we can clear up the issue. Bradley, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. You're on the air with Carl Olson. Good, after good afternoon. Can you hear me? We can. Yes, go right ahead. Awesome. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a, just a quick question. I broke it down. And um, it's, I was wondering if, in truth, if the Christians around the world 
in the everyday church recognized the end time events according like as it was in the days of Noah? And secondly, with that question, um, if the if you ever heard about a planetary system being an option for what caused these global catastrophes? And um, lastly, if anybody wanted to possibly um, explore uh, about that, it would be um, Paul Begley on YouTube. And all- all right, I'll let you respond to, to Bradley if you want to, Carl. Um, he goes back to the well, signs he- of Noah. They didn't see the signs coming, and yet the Great Flood took place. Right, and it's, you know, it's kind of ironic about that passage of Scripture uh, drew is that it was sometimes used by various rapture believers in the evangelical world, not all, but some of them are saying that's an example of uh, of the rapture, but in fact it's actually, you know, the opposite. It's really a warning against the coming ju- You know, Noah goes through the judgment. I think this is, uh, it brings me to a key point uh, just to, I think it's a, something that's important to make a point here. The Catechism really emphasizes that the Church is not going to escape from this last time of great trial, but it says that just like her head, Christ, the Savior, the Church will go through and have to endure this great trial. The promise that's often given to people through different groups, through the rapture belief system, etc., is you're going to escape. And here's the thing, we're not promised that we're going to escape trial and suffering or even death. We're promised that we will escape eternal separation from God if we have faith in Jesus Christ. That's the promise. And I think that's that's essential, that trying to escape temporal ills and, and problems in this world, uh, obviously we have to use prudent judgment, all those things, but none of us are going to be free from sufferings and difficulties, none of us. Um, and so trying to escape those things really can lead us to a bad place as well. Uh, looking to Christ as our example, the one who endured so much, suffered for us, I think that's essential here as well. So all of the Church's emphasis on end times beliefs really comes back to the person of Jesus Christ, right? Um, it seems simple, uh, but I, I think, Drew, I can, after you know being 25 years now a Catholic, I can tell you it's not simple, right? It's really difficult. Um, everything in this world, almost everything, seems to want to tear us away from or, or challenge our trust in Christ. Um, so I, you know, I keep coming back to that because I think it's really key to understanding what the Church believes about the end of the world, the end of time, the last judgment, all of these things. Yeah, it's, it's well said. You know, I, you've, you've written about rapture. Let, let's talk about that. I didn't expect to talk about it today, but I, it kind of ties into this end-time belief. And, you know, we have a lot of yeah. non-Catholics who listen to the program as well. And uh, I, I love that because the, the program is really for everyone. Um, in rapture, there's a lot of Catholics who believe it, unfortunately. I mean, they've, they've read the series That's or they've watched, yeah. they watched the movie. Um, and, you know, I'm sure the, there's those bumper stickers that were out there at that one time. says, warning, in case of rapture, this car is going to be unoccupied. Uh, you got the Left Behind series, um, the late great planet Earth. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with this or Catholics who think that rapture is how things are going to end, give us some perspective on this. Well, it's funny you mentioned that bumper sticker because I am um, one of the, the, the elders in the little Bible chapel that I grew up as, as a fundamentalist Protestant on the actual glove compartment door of his pickup truck. When you sat on the passenger side, it said, in case of the rapture, this vehicle, you know, the driver will be gone from this vehicle, something like that. Um, you're sitting right there staring at that. You know, when you're, when you're a 12 year old <laughs> kid, I remember sitting there thinking, Oh, I, I, I hope that I'm saved, you know? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> well, the, the rapture belief system, it's, it's something that's only been around for 
about 200 years, and it was based on John Nelson Darby, a former Anglican priest's belief that Jesus essentially failed when he came uh, 2,000 years ago. He offered this kingdom to the church, and Darby said, well, they, they refused it. The Jews refused this offer, and so Jesus was forced to come up with a plan B, and plan B was the church. And so, in essence, the, this belief system says there's two people of God in the world, the Jewish people and Christians. And that God wants to eventually get back to his dealing with the Jewish people. And so he's going to take out the heavenly people, the Christians, huh. in a secret rapture event. And then he's going to get back to his establishment of the Jewish kingdom uh, and deal with the Jew Jewish people who are the earthly people of God. So there's this dichotomy, a dualism at the heart of it. It's, as, it's more radical in some ways as an eschatology than anything that Martin Luther or John Calvin ever taught. Um, and when, once you dive into the belief system, it... it, it informs everything that you believe about Scripture, about the world, and so forth. Well, one of the problems, as I point out in my book, What Catholics Be Left Behind, is that it's unbiblical. It's not historical. It's not based on apostolic witness. Uh, it posits a number of things about the person of Christ and the nature of the Church that are, that are false. I think one thing, a key thing for people who find this topic really, you know, over, kind of overwhelming, is to keep this simple thing in mind. That if you start out with a flawed understanding of Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus failed when he first came, it's going to lead you to a very false or skewed understanding of the Church. The Church no longer becomes the mystical body of Christ in the world, but becomes rather kind of a plan B of a heavenly people. And then that leads to a really bizarre and distorted eschatology or belief about the end times. And, and we can't go into it here, but the, the belief system of premillennial dispensationalism has a lot of really strange beliefs about the end of time. Um, and so you start out with, a, with an error about Christ, at least to more errors about the nature of the church, and then by the time you get to what you believe about the end of the world, there are all kinds of problems. So, you know, the, the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, and actually um, many Protestant groups, you know, believe very differently. They, they, there's kind of actually kind of an agreement, even though, they, of course, they don't, uh, Protestants don't agree with Catholic Church on all terms of, you know, ecclesiology and so forth. Uh, but not all Protestants believe in this belief system. It's a very much an American-centric uh, belief system, again, that's been around for just like 200 years. Yeah. Is there any precedent for, for it anywhere in the teachings or traditions of the Church? There is none, right? For this for this radical break? Yes, of, for, for, the, for no. the rapture. No, no. Um, what you have is, in now you do have some of the early Church Fathers who discussed, you know, the end times and whether it was going to be a... Uh, uh, the the reason I ask that, Paul, uh, Carl, the, the reason I ask that is because I think of what St. Paul says in Thessalonians. He says that we're going to be caught up into the sky to be with the Lord forever in yeah. heaven. But yeah, th that's, that's different. It is. That's the, uh, that's the second coming. It talks about the last yeah. trumpet there. Well, the last trumpet is at the second coming. Um, you have to jump through a lot of hermeneutical loopholes in the premillennial dispensational system to arrive at a two radical end times events, a rapture that's separated from a later second coming. Um, and there's obviously, that's, you know, my, I made the joke that I set out to write my book, a 150 page book, and it ended up being 350 pages with 666 footnotes. Uh, the last part, you know, being a joke, but it had over 700 footnotes because there's, there's wow. so much to this belief system. But the key point here is that Scripture never talks about two separate comings. It refers only to 
a final coming of Christ. This is what the book of Revelation depicts. It's what Christ talks about in his Olivet Discourse. It's what Paul talks about in uh, his epistles. It's what we see consistently in Scripture. There's never... Now, the word rapture is taken from the Latin Vulgate, where it translates this caught-up word uh, as the uh, Latin word uh, rapia or raptura. Uh, I forget the exact Latin. I'm not a Latin scholar. But it's taken from that, ironically, um, kind of. But it is not describing a second distinct event uh, separate from the final coming of Christ. And that was never understood. John Nelson Darby created that in the 1820s and 1830s. It did not exist prior Hmm. to that. Hey, if people want to read about the rapture, what you wrote, your book, best way to connect? Yeah, I think what Catholics Be Left Behind uh, is, I, I, I do think it's probably the most comprehensive Catholic book. There's some other great books out there by uh, Paul Thigpen, David Curry, and some others. I have a number of articles on the Internet. If people do a search just for my name, Carl Olson, and Rapture, a bunch of different articles will come up. Um, I've written kind of short, shorter pieces that will help people kind of dive into this, and I think it. I, I found, I've actually got a lot of feedback over the years from non-Catholics, a number of Protestants who thank me for the work. And, and actually in the book, I draw very heavily from a number of evangelical writers who are very, very critical of this whole belief system. So yeah, I think it's important to, to note that yeah, a lot of evangelicals do not believe yeah. in this belief system. That's great to know. I would thought it was so pervasive. Look, I have to take a short pause. When we come back, uh, final calls we'll take for you. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Speaking to Carl Olson, gifted author, editor of Catholic World Report. And Carl, I'd love to hear your story too of how you came into the faith. You said you've been a Catholic for twenty five years. You've done so much in that quarter of a century to help teach the faith and spread the faith. Maybe you can share a little bit of that on the other side. Your calls, questions, and comments as well as we approach the final minutes of today's Drew Mariani Show. Stay with me. Hey, today we'd like to thank Julia, who's listening in Kentucky, for donating her Ford. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. Get a 360-degree look at all the news and issues of the day right now. This is The Drew Mariani Show, getting you connected on Relevant Radio. Yeah, great to be with you. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your afternoon. And love to give you a look at life you're not going to find anywhere else. Today, we're taking a look at the signs of the times, how to interpret them, what the church teaches, how not to get caught into this end-time trap, and Yet discerning what some of the great saints have had to say, what Jesus has said, what scripture has revealed, and also some of the great deceptions of our time, like like the rapture. I'm joined today by Carl Olson, editor of Catholic World Report, and he's written a book that you uh, should read if you're finding the topic fascinating. Will Catholics be left behind? His kind of response to... Uh, to the whole rapture, but it's one of a number of other books. Another one I did want to talk to him about is a book called The Catholic Theology of Human Deification. That's a whole other uh, conversation for another day. Um, and uh, Carl, it's good to have you back with us, and maybe we can touch on that in a minute, but I do want to get your story. I didn't realize that you were a convert to the faith just 25 years ago. You've done so much. You've written such wonderful works. Um, if you don't mind, do you mind sharing a little bit of your story? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, the, uh, the real short version is that I was raised in a fundamentalist uh, Bible chapel and home in, in western Montana. My father was a co-founder of a little Bible chapel when I was four years old. 
And I was raised steeped in the premillennial dispensationalist or rapture belief system. I was raised on Hal Lindsey. I was reading Tim LaHaye back when I was uh, 8, 9, 10 years old. I remember reading some of his early books on end times prophecy. And, of course, we were very immersed in Scripture. and We studied the book of Revelation. I mean, I must have went to probably four or five Bible studies growing up just on the book of Revelation, uh, which probably <laughs> is why I now have like 60 commentaries on the book of Revelation. It's a topic that really interested me. But it's a topic through which I had to work in order to become Catholic. By the grace of God, I would emphasize very strongly. And part of that was going to Bible college for a couple of years, where I was really exposed to a wider range of belief systems. And I had a couple of really wonderful professors who were not rapture believers, who were very orthodox Protestant Christians, but, but challenged me on this. And I really began to work through a lot of the scripture, a lot of the historical things. And it was really essential for me in becoming Catholic in my late 20s. Uh, my wife and I entered the church together. We were both raised evangelical. My wife was raised a little bit more mainline evangelical. I was much more fundamentalist growing up, very anti-Catholic. I mean, I was taught that the Catholic Church was a false belief system, a form of paganism, you know, that kind of thing. And I think through the bottom line for me is that I really began to study history seriously, early church history, uh, the Reformation era, and began to make sense of what happened. I worked through some of the false ideas that I was taught uh, growing up, or kind of implicitly or directly. Uh, you know, like this idea that during the during the uh, Spanish Inquisition that the church killed, you know, 60 million people or 120 million people and stuff. These are the kinds of things that Tim LaHaye taught. Um, and so I, I was able to work through those. And you know, I, I was I was fortunate. I didn't have a ministry. I was never a Protestant minister. I was actually working in the the advertising world. And so I had kind of a leisurely way, you know, it was at my leisure to work through this. It took about three or four years, my wife and I together, working through a lot of things, and then finally entering the church in 1997 by the grace of God. And uh, we entered the church in uh, Eugene, Oregon, when uh, the late, wonderful, great Francis George was here briefly for about a year before he was moved, you know, to Chicago. Um, a really holy man of God. I really appreciated him. So, we were very fortunate, and, you know, we lost a few friends. I mean, there were some people who were upset with us, but actually, overall, we've had, a, we've had some really great discussions over the years with family and friends, and I think it's been, I've never regretted becoming Catholic, not one bit. I've, I've often regretted being a bad Catholic, uh, <laughs> but never regretted becoming a Catholic, you know, praise God for, for his graces in that regard. Amen to that. Well, what a wonderful story. I'm grateful for your conversion and, and all that you have done. Uh, you've you've written some great things. I, I would we don't have time today, Carl, but I'd love to uh, at one point have you back to talk about the Catholic theology of of human deification, because we are sons and daughters of God, aren't we? You know, with the with Christ conquering death, um, we have really been elevated, and uh, that's another great conversation. I don't think a whole lot of people think about, but we'd love to have you back to to dive into that. Be happy to. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Have a great one, and we'll catch up soon. Again, people can follow you online, and of course, check out Catholic World Report or any of the great books that Carl has written. A call to be children of God. The Catholic theology of human deification is uh, one of his books. The others, will Catholics be left behind? And did Jesus really rise from the dead? You can check it out. Also, the co-author of the Da Vinci Cokes. You can check that out anymore. Hey, I only have a moment or two left, and I just want to thank you for um, allowing me to to hang out with you and spend some time with you on the air. It's always a pleasure to be able to uh, give you a look at life and the faith.
uh, on a daily basis here. And I know there's lots of choices out there. If you missed any of this conversation and you want to dive into it, you can go to our podcast. It'll be put up. Patrick A. Log is on the board today, and he'll be getting that up for us uh, momentarily after we sign off. Uh, also, share it. Tell others about the program. You know, Get them plugged in. The bottom line is this. When it comes to the end of the world, when it comes to rapture, when it comes to uh, being prepared. We don't know the day or the hour God's going to call us home. You know, the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke, all three of them have parables about how we need to stay awake, right? We need to be prepared because we don't know when when the master's going to come home. I, I think of the other parable, I think it's Matthew 25, the parable of the wise and foolish versions. You know the one, right? Where um, the foolish ones, uh, you know, the failing to look ahead, they didn't prepare extra oil. You know, bridegroom comes home and they're out, right? They're locked out of the banquet. So, you know, do we go for that kind of physical preparation, you know, for these end times? I, I don't think so. I think spiritually we need to be where we need to be. Uh, things can be overwhelming. You might be worried about the economy and, and what your future is going to look like. You might be worried about, you know, government mandates or whatever, war on the, you know, with Russia or China. I mean, you got to put away fear. I think that's, that's the common denominator in this end time mentality. Don't, don't fear. Don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about the future of your children. Don't worry about what's going to happen on the national and international scene. Put your trust in God. Scripture is very clear. It says, look at the birds of the air, right? They don't sow. They don't reap. Yet what happens? God feeds them. Look at the lilies of the field, right? They don't spin or weave. Scripture tells us, uh, he's, the Scripture says, you know, I, I tell you, not, not even Solomon was arrayed like these. So we have our Lord telling us, you know, be not afraid, trust, God will provide in all of your circumstances. So you might be going through a difficult time right now. I want you to know you're not alone, that God is on your side. And if he's by your side, you know, then your problems are, are surmountable, right? And they're small because with God, all things are possible. Uh, does it mean you got to become like St. Francis to see and embrace a life of poverty and do harsh penances. Um, I don't think so. I think prayer and penance is important, but I do think you need to be prepared. And how do you prepare? By being in that relationship with Jesus Christ, by loving God and living your life uh, according to the, the teachings of the church, living a life of virtue. And if you do that, uh, I guarantee you, you're going to see miracles unfold in your life. You're going to see the problems that are in front of you, those intractable obstacles be removed. You're going to find God's blessing come to you in ways that you could not even imagine. God is a God of providence. He's a God of surprises, and he loves you more than you can ever imagine. So don't be afraid about what swirls around you. Don't worry about the end of time. You were created to live forever and to be with God. I'll be back again tomorrow. Until our paths again cross, I promise you my prayers tonight. I'll remember you. Please say a prayer for me. We'll talk again tomorrow. Have a great night.